When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You're right. German football, we I think we tend to think is synonymous with English football, but I think this is only true in international tournaments and only usually via the penalty shootouts of the past. We may be entering into a new dawn for that one. German players tend not to flock to the Premier League in their droves like their neighbours from France and Italy, yet still, I am Jake from What If Football and this is the 45th episode of Ranked where we'll be discussing on ranking the 20 greatest German footballers in Premier League history. Let's get stuck straight in. And as usual, a timely reminder before we start today's show, we're on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash what if football. And from just one pound a month, you can get access to five days a week content. That is 20 pieces of content for a one pound. So work that out at about 5p per podcast. So get yourself down there. We've got uh, nostalgic podcasts like the Great Games podcast, the Head to Head podcast, taking a look at obviously contemporary football as well, previewing and reviewing the re- weekend action. And being that we are in the business of alternate football scenarios over there on YouTube, seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 in a leap year, which this is not. We also have your suggestions in a mailbag every Thursday for your alternate football scenarios. So without further ado, let's tackle the 73 German footballers that have played in the Premier League. We've got to whittle that down to just 20. And a couple of names I feel as though we should mention before we get going. A couple of honourable mentions who, had this been 25 of the best German pop footballers in Premier League history, like it was with the French players last week, these would have um, been in with no doubt, Godron Mustafi for Arsenal, who um, slightly underperformed for Arsenal, but uh, regardless, he um, was on the precipice of this list, as was Timo Werner, who I felt was just a bit too soon into his Chelsea career and is a bit too maligned to have made this list, although quality-wise, he's definitely within the 20 best German footballers 
just hasn't shown it in the Premier League yet. And uh, maybe that's uh, Chelsea centre-forward curse as we speak, unless he's bagged back-to-back hat-tricks by the time I've recorded this. But um, the night before I recorded this, he went down with an injury in the Champions League against Malmo, so perhaps not. So <laughs> with all that admin and uh, plugging and advertisements out of the way, Let's look at the 20 best German footballers of all time. And at number 20, we have Marcus Babbel. 67 appearances in the Premier League, six goals in a spell between 2000 and 2004. First of all for Liverpool and then on to uh, Blackburn. He's more renowned though in England for his time at Liverpool, joining from a, a very successful spell at Bayern Munich where they made multiple European finals. And of course, at Liverpool, Babbel made multiple finals of his own. He was in that team that famously won a treble of trophies in 2001 with the FA Cup, the League Cup and the UEFA Cup at the time, of course. Fell out a bit of favour with um, Gerard Houllier. We have another German on this list later on. At fullback, we've got to like so John Arnarisi, you've got Stefan Henschel and, and Jamie Carragher and Sammy Herpier as well in a, quite a packed, quite a star-studded defence for its time um, and as a result... Babel went out on loan to Blackburn after um, falling out of favour with Gerard Houllier there and obviously that makes up the remainder of his 67 appearances and up until 2004 and the um, selling of him after Rafael Benitez comes in. Number 19, Moritz Volz, 125 appearances, two goals in a spell between 2004 and 2009 for Fulham primarily. He scored just two goals in his time in England so... Like entering a lottery, you're not really, with two goals out of the tens of thousands scored, you're not going to be in for a landmark goal with those sort of odds, are you really? But one of them just so happened to be the 10,000th Premier League goal, which leads to his nickname being 10,000 volts, which is um, very witty. He was a solid fullback in his time at Fulham, it has to be said. Um, unfortunately, didn't just quite make it along an extra year. Um, obviously leaves Fulham Craven Cottage in 2004 didn't make it to that Fulham team that gets to the uh, Europa League final in 2010 but I think he was one of the more solid players for Fulham as kind of like a gatekeeper between the two good Fulham teams in this era the, the team that sort of surprised everybody it was quite free spending in the early days of the uh, in the early days of the Premier League I'm talking your pizza hut advertisements on the front of the shirts here I am talking about shirts again and your uh, John Tigenar as the manager, Luis Aha, Steve Malbronk, those types of players. Malbronk, obviously, we spoke of last week. And obviously, then the you go through the Chris Coleman's, the Laurie Sanchez's, as you wind up at Roy Hodgson, the great escape in 2008. And then the, the fantastic team they had then, unfortunately, wasn't room for vaults, but there was room for a great defensive team in there, obviously. Did quite well in England. They were reaching seventh place under the likes of Morris Vaults as well at fullback, so that can't be understated to then give Fulham a good enough run at the Europa League under Roy Hodgson with the likes of Hangeland, Aaron Hughes at centre-half there. Number 18, a player still currently playing in the Premier League, so his appearances and goals may be a bit off. Pascal Gross, 132 appearances, 15 goals between 2017 and who knows. Of course, the appearances and goals are correct at the time of me recording, at least I think. When Brian got promoted in 2017... Pascal Gross was signed from Ingolstadt, who are probably known for generating quite a crop of good managers, crop of good players as well. Ralph, Ralph Hassenhutl came from Ingolstadt as well. Uh, that was in the, when they were in the Bundesliga, now in Bundesliga's Vi. And for Brighton, Pascal Gross, is, I think he's one of the only players, one of a few players, like Lewis Dunk, for example, it may not even be that, a player who's been there 
for the all the time Brighton have been in the Premier League in the current sort of um, in the current run they've had the four or five years they've had, and he's been one of the more consistent players as Brighton make the leap or attempt to make the leap from lower half obscurities sort of battling with relegation a little bit and playing now good football and potentially top half football is. Pascal Gross, I feel, is quite versatile midfield alongside. You've got Yves Basuma in there as well, haven't you? You've got Tika play wing-back. He can play centre-mid. He's very creative, very attacking. Could also be quite a bit of a box-to-box midfielder. And um, he's a very dangerous midfielder. And I got a very good soft spot for Pascal Gross. And uh, he, despite Brighton sort of revolutionising the football game from Chris Hewitt to Graham Potter, he remains a constant in the team alongside Louis Dunk at centre-half, of course. Number 17, Lucas Podolski. 60 goals, ni- uh, 60 appearances rather, 19 goals, although it should really have been 60 goals in his time there at Arsenal. 2012-2015, unfortunately, almost the right man at the wrong wrong sort of team and place, really. Um, he came into the Premier League with a ton of promise. We'd all seen him at the World Cups in 2006 as a young star at European Championships obviously at the World Cup in South Africa when Germany did so well. Unfortunately, he came into an Arsenal that were on a barren streak. He was inheriting a bit of a mess at Arsenal at the time, um, which we'll be discussing in a minute. He'd win a couple of FA Cups though for Arsenal. He'd potentially, for me, he could have scored a lot more goals. I probably remember him more for his um, ability on FIFA at the time. I was often playing against my friend and Arsenal Arsenal supporter who would often use Lucas Podolski's score from 40 yards, but I'm not bitter about it. And if he had scored more goals, like those goals on FIFA 12 back in the day, or FIFA 13, whatever, he'd be higher on this list. There was, a, I think it was more unfulfilled promise by Podolsky. Maybe had he come a couple of years prior, he would have fulfilled that promise. And into an Arsenal team was better. Um, obviously, he would have fulfilled that promise. But he can't control that, obviously. Number 16, Emre Chan. 115 appearances, 10 goals between 2014 and 2018. He came into a Liverpool midfield at the tail end of Steven Gerrard's time. He had a promise of the Champions League. Liverpool were back in the Champions League for the first time in five years after um, Brendan Rodgers had almost masterminded the title win in 2014, almost had the cop dreaming. Chan stayed on um, throughout the early Klopp years in midfield. He did a job in defence at the time. He's a very versatile midfielder like Pascal Gross. Very well suited, I think, to the Premier League Sort of fell out of favour when the Premier League has become a bit more transitional and he's now gone to play at Dortmund where he does fulfil similar roles for um, for Dortmund in, it, in, a, in a probably much more transitional league in terms of on the pitch discussing here. And he's not a midfielder that w- wasn't in the direction that Klopp wished to go in, unfortunately, although I think uh, he's... I, Fabinho was probably the death of Emery Chan because he, he was coming in in his position and Liverpool probably needed more of a specialised sort of number six. Emery Chan could do six, eight, could play in defence as well and he probably wasn't um, wasn't in Klopp's plans. Obviously, Liverpool gone to bigger and better things, but Emery Chan was there at ground level when Jurgen Klopp come in and, to be fair, was um, a very well-suited midfielder for the Premier League. I always thought that. Um, number 15, Burnt Leno. 100 appearances, of course, um, I'm not expecting him to add to those appearances, um, but still in the Premier League now, still with Arsenal. A superb goalkeeper that Arsenal have um, signed in 2018. And a superb Arsenal goalkeeper that they hadn't really had for a while, I'd say. Wojciech Szczesny had a bit of a rick in him. Has gone on to better things at Juventus, we know from the Polish goalkeeper there. Um, Almunia was I never completely sold on him. Uh, you've then got Jens Lehmann. So then 
who features high on this list as well. So I think since Lehman, Arsenal hadn't had this great goalkeeper. Obviously, this factors into a time where where Arsenal weren't very good. It has to be said and didn't win any trophies. So that must be asterisks here. Um, they did have a great goalkeeper. It turned out he just he just wasn't getting played in Emmy Martinez. So before anyone any Villa fans have a go at me for that, um, he, he just wasn't playing. So you, you can't discuss him as a great Arsenal goalkeeper. He's a great goalkeeper who once played for Arsenal is probably the best way to discuss it. And I think we're probably going to discuss Burnt Leno in similar circles. Unfortunately, now um, he's, I've, I always thought he was a great shot stopper, which some might say as a goalkeeper should be. Bare minimum, <laughs> but he's a he's a fantastic reactionary goalkeeper. Great reaction saves, and um, it's just unfortunately it doesn't. I feel is obviously now with Aaron Ramsdale coming in, it just doesn't fit into what Mikel Arteta wants to do. He's not as good with his feet, which is um, a surprise from a German goalkeeper at least. With obviously Ter Stegen, with Neuer um, being the tentpole goalkeepers in German football, um, both good with their feet. Leno a bit lacking in that area and I think he's a, a a big sick quality goalkeeper in this time he's just simply not suited to what Arsenal want to do like I could see him I know it's never going to happen in a million years I could see him going to Spurs succeeding Hugo Lloris and doing quite well I just feel as though obviously Arteta's wanting a, a younger prof, younger age profile team he wants a certain style Leno can't live up to that um, he's currently number two to the young Englishman um, and I think it's purely because Ramsdale's a bit more adept with his feet than Leno and I think that obviously has let him down but nice to see him on the uh, 100 appearances board here early on in this season and I think a goalkeeper who probably deserves a little better deserves a move away and to play routinely great football Tom Thomas Hitzelsberger is at number 14 117 appearances 10 goals in across three spells between 2001 and 2005, 2010 and 2011 and 2012 and 2013. My abiding memory of Hitzelsberger is he could score an absolute cracker if you needed him to. Another robust German midfielder, this time at more mid-table clubs. He's had a great initial spell at a... Um, I'm going to talk about shirts again. A Rover-sponsored villa in those MG days where they were seemingly controlled by cars around this stage. And uh, speaking of cars, Hitzelsberger could hit one like he had a foot like a traction engine, to quote one Alan Partridge there. And uh, I thought he was um, punching below his weight, if that's a phrase. It isn't. Um, but I think he could have gone on to bigger and better things whilst he was in his first spell, at least, with Villa. He would return to West Ham five years later after a few years away. Tried to keep them up, couldn't, unfortunately. And um, rounded his, round, well, at least rounded off the tail end of his career with a often forgotten spell at Everton, where I think he must have crept in over the line for 100 appearances. I always liked him in back in the day in the early 2000s. Fantastic midfielder. And another midfielder from back in the day. Number 13, Stefan Freund. 116 appearances, roughly zero goals. Played played in the Premier League between 1998 and 2003, most notably. And then a uh, quick loan spell in 2004. Famously played for a number of years for Tottenham Hotspur, of course, discussing shirts. The Holston pills into the Thompson era <laughs> as the shirts got incredibly tight. And Stefan Freund... Very much of his time as a midfielder, a lot of hard work, a lot of determination, a lot of courage um, to the point where Soccer AM would parody this with the Arbeit segment, which he would, his face and a rough German voiceover artist would would uh, tack on, or a German attempting to speak German voiceover artist 
tacked his sort of name face onto rough tackles um, of the week, essentially what it was. And that is pretty much a, the perfect, the perfect sort of um, landmark to make with Stefan Freuden in his time. It encapsulates him perfectly, an absolute rough tackling midfielder who you wouldn't get on, wouldn't, wouldn't want to get on the wrong side of. A great, a great through the looking glass view of late 90s, early 2000s football before it, the revolution, so to speak. And he would end his Premier League career with a loan spell at Leicester City as they went down, unfortunately, in 2003-14. And that's where he ended his Premier League career, where he ended his uh, footballing career as well, unfortunately. Number 12, Leroy Sané, 90 appearances, 25 goals between 2016 and 2020. Four years at Man City. Obviously, you get the one blighted uh, slightly by injury, one that he probably would have left in anyway. But I feel as though he was hit and miss. At first, obviously, if he was hit and miss route, he wouldn't be so high on this list or on this list at all. But when he was hit, my God, he hit um, one of the form players in the league when he was at his peak. And for one or two years there, I think he was one of the more dangerous wingers of his time. Still raw, still still relatively young now, exceptionally young when he was at City under Pep Guardiola. And for a young winger under Pep Guardiola to stick around um, and play a lot of games as he did in 2017, 2018, the title winning years. He did exceptionally well to stick in the forefront of Pep's mind. When he does go for, I think he does tend to go for more experienced players. Sane was raw, he was young. And I think he must have had some sort of tactical discipline to, you know, keep Pep Guardiola from, pick, from picking him every week um, in the years where City were posting ridiculous numbers. The, the 100 points, your 99 points. I think Leroy Sané was in and amongst the talk for PFA Player of the Year. He was that good that, those seasons. So that speaks to how well he did play. Obviously, he goes on to bigger and better things with Bayern Munich, joins after the treble winning year. And did okay out of the Premier League, let's be honest. A couple of Premier League's titles probably didn't have the longevity to go down as one of the best German midfielders or best German players in the Premier League, certainly on quality. For his whole career, when we look back in 10, 15 years, he will be one of the greatest German players to have played in the Premier League. I have no doubt about that. Number 11, Christian Zieger, 92 appearances, 14 goals from defence. 1999, he played in the Premier League to 2004. And to me, a magnificent utility player. Obviously, he got his, um, in a similar time to Marcus Babbel, who we discussed at the top of today's show, Started his career off at Bayern Munich, sort of German leagues, and um, made his mark there. Then moves over to become part of the Liverpool treble team of 2001. And to me, definitely, I remember him first and foremost for the Spurs team in that era, alongside Stefan Freund as well. Played his part for Spurs in between the uh, League Cup wins in sort of a, lean, a vastly leaner spell for um, Spurs, as we would see um, a decade and a half onwards. And around this time when he was playing in the Premier League, he was one of Germany's first choice fullbacks, of course, before the before the Philip Lahm era and this type of things. But he was he was up there, he was playing in World Cup finals, he was he was in routinely picked for the European Championships, the win in ninety six, for example, and the World Cups in and amongst this. So Christian Zieger had a definite quality and has the trophy cabinet to back it up at Liverpool, obviously less so at Spurs, but you know, as Rod Keane says, it's Spurs, unfortunately. After this short break, we'll be rounding up the 10 greatest German footballs as we delve into the uh, second half of today's show. Welcome back. 
we are listing the 20 greatest German footballers to have ever played in the in the Premier League. We've seen the likes of Marcus Babel, Leroy Sané, Christian Zieger, Bernd Leno, those types of names. Now we are going on to the creme de la creme. I don't know what that means in German. But here we are, number 10 to 1. And we start with Andreas Schürrle, number 10. 68 appearances, 17 goals between 2013 and 2015 and 2018-2019. Obviously, famously now, a career that was unfortunately stopped in its tracks um, as Schürrle was still in his late 90s. But a German Chelsea player who has won the Premier League, Andreas Schürrle, was bought when Jose Mourinho returned to the club for his second stint. And for me definitely played his part alongside I think for me of the ilk of Leroy Sané found flashes of form he's a Premier League winner as well and definitely played his part was a fantastic winger fantastic inside forward he did come back to the Premier League but was unable to keep Fulham up in the division in the in a loan spell for the 2018-19 season towards the back end unfortunately which does restrict him slightly as does his shorter tenure in the um, in the Premier League at start with Chelsea and another Chelsea player who is German, number nine, Antonio Rudiger, 106 appearances, seven goals from 2017 to, who knows? So the appearances and goals record, as previously stated, are correct at the time of recording. Now, had I done this podcast maybe 12 months ago, even six months ago, Rudiger would maybe have just missed out. Maybe he would be in the bottom, he'd definitely be in the bottom half of the list if he was on this list. But... He was a second choice signing for Antonio Conte after failing to sign Virgil van Dijk and he didn't seem to be on the right track as a Chelsea player really. I don't think Frank Lampard was ever truly sold on him um, so potentially could have been sold when Frank Lampard was in charge but then Thomas Tuchel, compatriot of Rudiger's of course. What a year he's had in 2021. He's risen to become one of the finest centre-halves in Europe, at least on form anyway. He was the starting centre-half for Germany at the Euros. Obviously that didn't end too successfully but He's had a, a banner year in 2021, the Champions League, of course, it potentially could have won, potentially should have won the FA Cup um, a couple of weeks prior. And he's probably one of the more now tenured Germans currently playing in the Premier League. And this season, based on the early season form, at least now, two weeks prior to what you're listening to this on, could be on the way to a Premier League, could be on the way to a Premier League. Obviously, maybe even higher if we... Uh, revisit this podcast in a year's time maybe even breaks into the top five who knows but on form he's rocketing up in the uh, estimations of many as um, centre-halves in Europe he's rocketed up this list probably by about 10 places in the past year or so number eight Dietmar Hamann 268 appearances 12 goals between 1998 and 2009 and I think one of the longest tenures in German Premier League history he only dwarfed by one man which we'll be discussing in a minute um, he's played the majority of his career in England will be famous of course for his time at Anfield first and foremost part like Babel like Ziga as part of that 2001 treble winning team and around this time he was one of the first choices for Germany at centre midfield we all know he closed Wembley down with the winning goal in 2000, obviously played in the World Cup in 2002, where they reached the final as well. But in terms of Premier League, played for the likes of Man City before money, of course. Played for the likes of Newcastle as well. Um, started his career in the Premier League off at Newcastle as well, which some people might may forget. Um, and then Bolton, uh, despite obviously not playing, we know that now. Um, he, he was definitely, I think people will more remember his times at Liverpool and Man City where he was 
slightly in the same mold as Stefan Freund, a bit more, um, bit more graceful, so to speak, in the midfield there. Um, but definitely needs to be included in the top half of the uh, of the best of the best of um, German footballers in the Premier League. Speaking of number seven, Per Mertesacker, 156 appearances, six goals between 2011 and 2018. And a bit like Lukas Podolski here, the right player at the wrong time sort of thing. Uh, Mertesacker was one of the better Europe's, better centre-halves in Europe, I'd hazard a guess at to say, really, around the time. But unfortunately, he was signed, he was signed in the wrong time for Arsenal. He was signed by a desperate Arsenal. He signed Mertesacker coming off the back of the 8-2 defeat to Manchester United in August 2011, as we know. But Mertesacker, I think he's on this list. He's not so far high up on this list because he shepherded what was a was a weak, what was a sort of soft Arsenal team through heavy weather, through the, through the, of course, they'd just lost the League Cup final in ridiculous circumstances um, against Birmingham City. And I think he was a big factor in Arsenal going forward, solidifying and even getting, going from fourth and potentially dropping out of the Champions League when he arrived to almost mounting a title push. And I know that doesn't constitute success. Maybe the three FA Cups before retiring does so as well. Still works at the club, um, unless something drastic's happened in the last two weeks. And he should go down as one of the greatest German um, players in Premier League history. There's, a, there's another there's another Arsenal lad on this list, another two. Um, we'll be discussing them in a minute. Uh, number six, Robert Hoof. 322 appearances, 21 goals. All of his career is spent in England, which um, for Germany is, is very, very rare. Um, we've seen here with the with the amount of appearances by a lot of these players as some of the best, quote unquote, they're all in the 100 to 175 sort of appearances. Robert Hoof, 322, that's all of his senior domestic league football. It's all about four appearances for Middlesbrough in the championship, but that's, you know, by the by, um, the most tenured German in Premier League history, ploughed through the Chelsea youth setup um, and was about when the money came in. He was admittedly second choice to like Terry and Carvalho, but he was there. In the, but his future would become more of a journeyman in the Premier League. Rock at the back for the likes of Middlesbrough and Stoke, although did go down with Middlesbrough, admittedly in 2009, was finally, finally rewarded after a slightly nomadic career with the Premier League in Leicester in 2016. As we all know, and tomorrow we're discussing Premier League centre-half partnerships, where would you rank Wes Morgan and Robert Hoof in that ilk? That is the Naughty's Nostalgia podcast. Cheap plug there tomorrow on the Sports Social Podcast Network. Before we get into the top five, here's Michael Balak. 105 appearances, 17 goals, number five here, between 2006 and 2010. And I don't think he's the fifth best player on this list. I think he's more than that. But his tenure at Chelsea was just too short, I feel. He is one of the finest midfielders, I think, of his generation. Four years at Bayern became four years at um, at Chelsea here. Obviously, we, we all know him from the Leverkusen days. We know him from the 2002 World Cup, which is where he made, facilitated his transfer from Leverkusen to Bayern and then rose to the heights of Chelsea here. But he unfortunately came two years too late, unfortunately, from a stand, standpoint of trophies and trophy cabinets. Yes, he may have a couple of cups, the League Cup, a couple of FA Cups in there. Um, most famous of which the 2010 FA Cup, where he got injured and out for the 2010 World Cup, unfortunately. But he closed his time in England and at Chelsea with the Premier League, deservingly, 2010. I think if anybody on this list deserved a Premier League, Michael Ballack is one of the f- most forefront at that queue, in my mind anyway. 
Number four, Ilkay Gundogan. 135 appearances, 29 goals, obviously, at the time of recording. Asterix. 2016, he joined Manchester City. Still hasn't left. Came to the Premier League, I think. The mood around the time that he was seemingly damaged goods. He had a lot of injuries at Dortmund towards the back end of his career there before he moved to England and to Man City, of course. He held his own, I think, for the first first season or so. He was still carrying a little bit of a niggle, really. The, first, the next two seasons after that really came into his own. And then during lockdown was... He was just a different animal, wasn't he? I remember that as a tactical shift from Pep. Remember that's him taking the onus on himself. But he was Manchester City's top scorer last season in a title-winning season as well. He's got three Premier League titles in four years, which, by my rough estimate, makes him the most decorated uh, German in English football history. You've got, obviously, the domestic treble. You've got Centurions, the League Cups, a plenty. He has to be, surely. Surely, I'm, this is just... He, yeah, he, he, I'm going to confidently say that Ilkay Gundogan is the most decorated German in English football history, but uh, there we go. And to me, he's maybe so six months prior, but he, he was undroppable then, absolutely undroppable. He's one of the one of the, the better players in City's team, which when you look at the names, 1-11, to incredible. And uh, a very, very, very good central midfielder and the best German midfielder to ever play in the Premier League, so... Stick that on your CV. Um, we're now onto the podium, and this may seem a controversial choice for his tenure, but for what he did in English football, Jurgen Klinsmann, number three. He's so high because of the impact that he had off the pitch, on the pitch. Coming into the, I think we, 1994 Premier League, we're, we're just getting round to that on the backers, which we'll discuss later in the year with the 94 95 season. I think the 94 World Cup shifted was the first real shift when for me when the first division became the Premier League Klinsman was a huge part of that obviously you have other names you've got a whole glut of names from Scandinavia predominantly Norway and Sweden Jürgen Klinsman was a part of that European revolution into the Premier League and obviously would then kick on with Arsene Wenger and then taking the Premier League to another level but before he came over he was branded a cheat a diver all sorts winning the World Cup with Germany West Germany 1990 that sort of ill feeling comes from that obviously in between his two spells two seasons at Spurs here he uh, won the European Championships from England as well in England which um, adds it obviously you get the, all the tabloid xenophobic nonsense he had to overcome to then with to be fair the best goal record from a German in Premier League history 30 goals in 56 appearances his debut at Hillsborough covered on the pod on the Patreon feed there as Sheffield Wednesday Hillsborough absolutely magnificent debut from him and obviously answers his critics there with a big dive um part of a wonderful Aussie idealist Spurs team exceedingly attacking in the mid-90s He'd moved to Bayern, then he'd come back to Spurs again. And his final club football was played at Spurs on loan um, in 1998. Still finds the goals. And I think for the character more so than what he'd done on the pitch in terms of a longevity's sake, I think he has to be. He obviously will be more well known for Inter Milan, for Bayern Munich when you look at the breadth of his career. But he definitely made a mark on the Premier League. Took it in a new direction, I feel, um, at the forefront of that in 1994, which is one of the first direct changes in the Premier League you see in 94, 97 and then obviously as you move on more so and Klinsman was a huge part to do with that number two Jens Lehmann 148 appearances between 2003 and 2008 predominantly had a, had a quick emergency league game in 2011 as well 
and Lehman had the arduous task of succeeding long-term goalkeeper David Seaman, who'd been in place since the early 1990s. He obviously had previous with this, barging Oliver Kahn out of the number one jersey for the national team, despite a superb World Cup where he won the golden ball, of course, and... Uh, He'd commanded the number one shirt at Arsenal too, was the invincible goalkeeper, which I think deserves a mention at least. Um, again, tomorrow on the Night's Nostalgia podcast, we'll be discussing their defensive partnership from that season. So check that one out. And he saw out his career, Lehman, that is, at the very, very top. Unfortunately, just as Arsenal waned really in, in the sort of latter part of the 2000s, early 2010s, but Lehman was around that time one of the better goalkeepers in the Premier League, you've got to say alongside your Petrchecks, your Edwin van der Sars, that sort of thing. I'm not straying too far from North London. <laughs> We're still in it. Number one, Meza Ozil, of course. 184 appearances, 33 goals between 2013 and 2021. And like so many, like, like so many Arsenal players on this list, quite a lot of Germans, unlike Lehmann, I think Ozil was the, so much the right player at the wrong time and for me he, he would have fit into the Invincibles absolutely perfect almost as the record for the most assists in a single season almost as a record for the most assists in the Premier League ever and probably would have had that record if he'd have played with the Invincibles probably would have obviously played had that record if he played with better players um, not to diminish the the likes of Alexis Sanchez um, who he was playing up front with Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of course as well Olivier Giroud should have more than four FA Cups at his time in Arsenal. That obviously should go without saying. But when Ozil was converging on his peak, coming in from Real Madrid, it was more of a... It was the first big sign that Arsenal made in the Emirates era. Obviously, they were shackled financially for such a long time. So he's talking seven years since they moved in. He was their biggest transfer and he was 40 million, which sounds pennies now, doesn't it? Um, some eight years on, uh, but uh, 40 million was a big, a big transfer then. And it was the biggest transfer Arsenal made by some distance. I think the previous record was Andre Arshavin, which was, it, they almost doubled that record. I think they did double that record to uh, bring Ozil in. And he was converging on his on his peak. Arsenal were to an extent too. You've got Ozil in, you've got Ozil, you've got Sanchez. Walcott to an extent as well. In the midfield was class. Almost won a Premier League. Probably should have done in 2016, but there we are. Maybe a centre forward away from doing that. And unfortunately, Mesut Ozil's time in, in the Premier League and Arsenal probably goes unfulfilled, doesn't it? Um, but as we speak today, despite that lack of Premier League, I think he is the greatest German to have played in the Premier League. Thank you for listening. That was episode 45. Next week, episode 46, we'll be continuing this um, this mini-series we've got of certain nationalities in the Premier League and going back up to 25, because there's a bigger pool to choose from, the 25 best Italian footballers in Premier League history. Feel free to join us for that one next Tuesday. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back with the Naughty Nostalgia podcast tomorrow. But until then, check us out on YouTube and Patreon, please. See you. Network.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.